Hi, I'm Rebecca Brown, Chief Executive of the national charity ASB Help. This is Community Trigger 101, your essential guide to the Community Trigger. Also known as the ASB Case Review, the Community Trigger is a statutory provision introduced in the Antisocial Behaviour, Crime and Policing Act 2014. It is the victim's right to demand a review of their case where further actions can be taken by agencies to resolve it. In this episode, I speak to Andy Prophet, Assistant Chief Constable Essex Police, who holds the police portfolio for antisocial behaviour. And I also speak to Rebecca Bryant, Chief Executive of Resolve, a centre of excellence on any matters relating to antisocial behaviour and community safety. We're going to talk about how setting up a robust community trigger policy and procedure is beneficial for you as a practitioner and for your community. Andy Prophet and Rebecca Bryant, welcome to Community Trigger 101. Morning, good to see you. Hello. So today we're looking at how to implement a robust community trigger policy and procedure. So Andy, what are your views on how we should make sure that victims are front and centre of that policy and procedure? I mean, first of all, it's fundamental, isn't it? Victims have got to be at the heart of how we uh, think about how we deal with antisocial behaviour because we know we know from the past that if we don't get this right, you know, it, it can wreck and have the most devastating impact on people's lives. So the way we have to put victims at the heart of everything we do, whether that be as police or housing associations or everybody else, is have a really effective means for victims to say um, from time to time, I don't feel it's quite right. And the community trigger obviously is an absolutely vital part of a victim being able to come forward and saying, in my case, I don't feel it's quite right. And I think we need to have another look at how we we get things sorted out. So it's just fundamental. We're always listening to what victims feel is happening to them. So do you agree, Andy, that it's really important to have a harm-centred approach when we build our community trigger policy? So rather than completing a scoring system for us as professionals to determine the level of risk that we actually listen to our victims and understand the harm that they're experiencing because of the antisocial behavior absolutely because because that let's be really frank about this this is a volume and a harm challenge isn't it we 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 will as 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 organizations as a police service for example we will get Lots and lots of calls every day about antisocial behaviour. And through that kind of professional judgment and working with the person who's reporting that antisocial behaviour, we have to make some initial decisions about the right thing to do to support that person. So that harm-centred approach, you know, are they vulnerable in a particular way because of their isolation, because of their age, because of a, a, a particular factor relating to them or the way they may be suffering from antisocial behaviour? must inform how we respond to that, the urgency with which maybe we need to respond or who needs to respond and how we respond. So absolutely understanding the case, making some judgments, a harm-centred approach is, is absolutely essential. So Rebecca, you're the expert when it comes to helping agencies create effective policies and procedures. Do you think then that communication is the fundamental aspect of any policy and procedure, but particularly that of the community trigger? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. 
we should be out and proud about what the community trigger is, um, why it's there, the purposes behind working together to support victims of antisocial behaviour, for us to improve our response um, and fundamentally to focus on the person who the harm is being caused to rather than us as um, agencies just responding. Yeah, so Andy, you know, if we take that into consideration, is it really necessary then that there is a, an antisocial behaviour coordinator fundamental to the process of managing the community trigger? I think it, it feels really important, doesn't it? Because if you take any local area, whether that be, be a town, a city, a county, you need you need to understand um, where you've got victims of antisocial behaviour who 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 are reporting concerns because that is part of your harm centred approach, and you need to be able to case manage and work with 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 that individual that family you know to be able to put the right things in place because this is that in my experience that the, the longer term higher harm ASB cases when they relate to people um, tend not to be easy to fix and you need some kind of long you know longer term con- considered partnership response whether that be you know uh, uh, around the perpetrator around the community lighting whatever it might be so having somebody who can coordinate and manage and keep everybody engaged with where we are with 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 those key cases I think is, is a really important way to do that. Rebecca when I've seen community trigger policies and procedures work correctly I've seen the ASB coordinator who has a real intimate feel for their community they know the people the players the professionals the experts and they know everything about where they work One of the challenges that people often find when setting up a robust community trigger policy and procedure is in in engaging other stakeholders um, to be part of the process. What are your experiences in persuading external stakeholders to be part of a comprehensive community trigger policy and procedure? So what are the things that you would do to say approach somebody like the mental health service or other other registered providers of housing or the drug and alcohol service because we know that antisocial behaviour cases are never straightforward. They do require a multi-agency response and we do need the expertise of every agency in the area. But unfortunately, sometimes it's difficult for practitioners to formulate that collaboration blueprint so that it's available for the start of every community trigger meeting. I think it's really interesting. I think it should be um, an ASB case review rather than being called a community trigger. I think the legislation calls it an ASB case review for a reason, and that's to put it in the same tenant um, and level as a domestic homicide review or a serious case review. It should be um, owned by the Community Safety Partnership on a local level, so it's got senior strategic buy-in from across all of the agencies. So whether that be from police, from housing, from local authority, right across the board into the public health arena, mental health, drugs and alcohol commission services, Each one of those agencies sitting around the table of the Community Safety Partnership should nominate a senior person to be their victim's champion and to ensure that the people on the ground who know about the case, who understand about the complexity around the particular issues that are being complained about, can get the right people around the table. 
um, and it should be given the right sort of priority, same as a serious case review or domestic homicide review, because we are talking about impacts on people's lives here. So, Andy, is it the case then that we just need a cultural shift in our communities? Do we need to approach our external stakeholders and invite them to be part of this very important process and recognise and invite their expertise for all our community triggers? Yeah, we've, we've, we've got work to do, haven't we? There are examples of really, really top quality, brilliant local partnerships where they're getting this absolutely right but the honesty is it's inconsistent at the moment the advertising and the awareness of community trigger asb case reviews on police websites on police and crime commissioner websites um it, it isn't yet perfect and, and that's a kind of a real key key piece of work we need to take forward and then working with with community safety partnerships and you know kind of almost describing nationally what the what the standard we not not even the gold standard the minimum standard we all have to aspire to to support victims of asb who are you know are repeat victims are becoming vulnerable and need help so so i think there's there's absolutely something about and we are doing this about getting those you know core basic expectations in place so we've got that effective case management and good robust partnership of those of those particular cases And Andy, do you think then that possibly one of the ways to show the benefits of the community trigger process is to to recognise that actually this is an asset to practitioners as well as to protect victims because practitioners, police officers and social behaviour officers from the council or registered providers of housing as well as MPs and councillors can always activate the community trigger with the consent of the victim. So it's part of our cultural shift then about letting practitioners know what they can do, what control they have. It is absolutely about the the understanding that if we get this right and we must get this right, it's not this isn't additional work. This is number one first and foremost the right thing to do for the victims involved. But secondly, actually it's what means that we can actually solve the problem and stop the repeated calls and the repeated issues coming in because you know when i look at antisocial behavior cases coming in to my force in essex for example we know we get loads of repeat calls and lots of repeat victimization and so so actually this is a way not just to doing the right thing but fixing the problems and having less calls coming in so we can concentrate on the next thing that we need to be concentrating on Rebecca, how many times have you been out to cases where nobody can seem to find a solution? And what options do they have now? Because I hope you agree with me that every case is resolvable. I do agree that every case is resolvable. Um, I don't think it's necessarily um, about a tick box exercise. I think each case needs to be seen as an individual case with a recognition of the harm that's being caused and the complexity around perhaps the drivers of the antisocial behaviour, but also how you support the individual or community suffering the antisocial behaviour. Often people focus on or agencies focus on individual incidents rather than the collective harm that's caused. And and particularly if it's residence-based, so in a property, your property is your place of solace, your place of calm. And if it's happening to you at your property, you've nowhere to go. And I think there needs to be a greater recognition of that um, as opposed to perhaps it happening outside in a public space. There's a, there's, a, there's a balance where you can walk away if it's happening in a public space, but you can't walk away if it's happening in your home. 
Yeah, Rebecca, I agree with you on that. And I also think that quite often agencies build a really rigid policy to, to manage the community trigger that doesn't recognise the human in that process. It focuses on strict letters of acknowledgement and it doesn't identify with the nightmare that the victim is living. So do you agree that any community trigger policy and procedure needs to be flexible, but that we also need to have our ducks in a row in terms of having a flexible structure so that as soon as a victim activates the community trigger, the process is ready to go and we all know what part we need to play to get it to a review and find a resolution. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's really interesting. When we piloted the um, ASB case review right at the very beginning, there was a real concern around vexatious complainants and that it would be used as a vehicle by those people. Um, and actually the genuine people who were suffering on social behaviour wouldn't come forward. But in reality, that was just not the case at all. And if you have a policy which enables the victim's voice to be heard, which is absolutely crucial, and that that person doesn't have to keep telling their story again and again, um, recognising the harm and that the agency's roles are to stop the antisocial behaviour and to support the victim um, rather than um, be a gatekeeper to a review. And a review is nothing to be frightened of. It's about improving our service offer to people who are suffering in our communities. Um, and agencies who are involved in a community safety partnership, their priority is making communities safer. So the antisocial behaviour case review or community trigger should not be something that is seen as um, a barrier, rather it should be welcomed um, and it enables improvement of service delivery, safer communities and people to stop um, suffering harm, which from my perspective should be the community safety partnership priority. I also think, Andy, that it's an opportunity to look at the bigger picture in our communities as well, to really understand the dynamics of the community so that we can be proactive as well. And certainly one of the issues that lots of practitioners talk to me about is that, well, setting up a community trigger is really resource intensive and how is it just how is it any different to another community meeting? And what I do my best to explain is that apart from the impact of on the victim, which needs to be addressed by a multi-agency team, actually in the long term, it's going to save on resources. Because how much money must it be costing agencies to respond to a complaint every week when in one meeting, potentially you've got an action plan and you've got a resolution to the case? So in terms of the police response, can you see that as being a real benefit to the police and to those police officers that are going out to the same properties week in, week out? Absolutely. You know, in residential settings, if you get the response right to that, um, we know that quite often that, you know, surrounding that particular case you're trying to work on there'll be you know other associated antisocial behavior maybe some other crime factors and when you're getting your response right and maybe putting some you know some some maybe some improved designs in place um, you will get a much wider benefit to that so you solve other problems in genuinely solving the problem that you're focused on and then again if you think about kind of more public space um uh, community safety interventions think about the wider benefits safe parks safe town centers that are designed in a way to maybe tackle an antisocial behavior problem 
are also places where maybe you'll get less graffiti, less litter, less intimidatory street drinking, they're safer places for women and girls. So, so there's a whole range of things that if you genuinely come together and solve a problem around antisocial behaviour, you get a much, much wider community benefit that takes other demand off agencies, including the police as well. And we all deserve the opportunity to live our best lives in peace and security. But we also need to help our practitioners to be able to take some control back because now more than ever, we recognise the need for more resources. We need something in place to help us, to help our communities. And one of the fundamental aspects of the community trigger is that the requirement to have an independent chair now, we know that not all areas embrace this, but Rebecca, what, what do you think are the benefits of, of having an independent chair? And I would certainly say that now more than ever, it's easy to find chairs from out of area because a lot of us are working remotely. I couldn't agree more about an independent chair. And I think there are many lessons to be learned from serious case reviews, domestic homicide reviews, where an independent chair is able to cut across agency bias and priorities and actually bring people together as equals and to focus on the solution rather than perhaps people bringing a barrier or a problem. And quite interestingly, the ASB case review was originally designed as a template from domestic homicide reviews serious case reviews with the, the whole purpose about being around finding a solution um, coming up with an action plan feeding that back to the person who is who has enacted the trigger involving them in um, the solution rather than it being done to them then being a valuable and equal partner in that um, and I would say that an independent chair can um, facilitate that conversation in a better way rather than it being a specific agency who's taking the lead and perhaps could be more challenging in that partnership environment. Andy, I've chaired community triggers, many of them now, and I've seen them work. I've seen the concentration of minds and expertise around one table. And I've also listened to very compelling testimonies from victims. One of the issues that practitioners face is this concern that by inviting a a victim to a community trigger review that they'll be in some way breaching data protection obligations. Now I say this is easily managed because you can listen to the victim speak or deliver their victim impact statement before you have to exchange any sensitive information in the bulk of the review. Now do you agree that this is an easily resolvable issue and actually it is so important to listen to what the victim has to say so that we can all find the correct resolution for that victim. Yes, I do. I mean, it's an important issue to get right, isn't it, in terms of data protection and thinking about, you know, those protections we need to put around individuals. But, in, you know, for, for in many ways, it, it just reinforces the argument for having a really clear and consistent process with a really clear chair um, independent or, or, or otherwise, and I agree independent is, is, is absolutely the best way forward, um, and then work with that victim and agree with that victim how their information is going to be used within the process and disclosed to who, because that, that kind of openness and transparency um, is absolutely key to us as agencies handling data in the right way. And ultimately, how can we truly know the harm a victim 
is being caused if we don't speak to them about it and really understand the dynamics of their home situation. How many times do we see victims whose experiences are significantly enhanced because maybe they've suffered a recent bereavement or they've lost the job? So, Rebecca, do you agree that we need to look at every case as a whole? Yes, yes, I do absolutely agree that we should be looking at the case as a whole. And any good ASB policy and procedure would have a vulnerability assessment. And that assessment should be um, taking place right at the very beginning to assess the vulnerability and the harm that's being caused and the aggravating factors. Sometimes there are specific reasons why someone would feel more vulnerable and the antisocial behaviour could have more of an impact. So as you said, um, bereavement, loss of job, isolation, loneliness, um, feeling um, unable to connect with other people in the community, mental health issues. And I think it's really, really important for agencies to be open and understand that the feeling, the sense of harm comes from the individual person rather than an agency blueprint of what is harm. Um, and we should be responding to the individual and their experience and their story. Um, and I think it's really, really important that if you, you should be involving the victim in the process, that the person who is speaking to the victim understands not only the actual incidents themselves on a factual evidential basis, but the harm that's being caused and the cumulative impact. So Andy, when we're setting up a comprehensive and robust community trigger policy and procedure, is it that we need to ensure we've got one point of contact, an antisocial behaviour coordinator, for example, and that our policies and procedures must be harm-centred, but also flexible, so that we can consider all the needs and idiosyncrasies of, of each given case? Yeah, it needs to, all of those things. You know, you need a really clear um, way of gathering information, a consistent way to make our judgment because ultimately we need to make a judgment having listened to and understood what victims are saying about the 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 level of harm that that we need to be dealing with and then work through the process to deal with that in in a consistent way and and that's kind of really easy to say but actually we know is you know right at the heart of the critical success we're trying to achieve here and where i think we need to get better at so Andy and Rebecca, I'd like to ask you both your thoughts on, on this particular question, because every day I, I think about the Fiona Pilkington case. I imagine most practitioners listening to this podcast will, will understand that we never want to be in a, another situation where we have our victims resort to taking their own lives. And, and obviously in Fiona's case, she took a daughter's life as well. But what I often think about is if the community trigger had been in place in 2007, would Fiona Pilkington have used the community trigger? I believe she would. Or I believe that one of the officers or council officers that visited Fiona Pilkington would have activated it on her behalf. So, Rebecca, do you think Fiona Pilkington would have used the community trigger? Yes, I do think she would have. Whether at that time agencies were prepared or well-trained enough or understood 
the harm that's caused by antisocial behaviour in the way that we do now, um, on the back of the Fiona Pilkington case, um, I think is is a is a moot point. Um, I think agencies across the board, since Fiona Pilkington, there have been others. There's been David Askew. There's been Susan Dow. So we didn't learn the lesson straight away after Fiona Pilkington. I think agencies have matured. I think relationships have matured. Um, and I think we've got a much better understanding of the impact of antisocial behaviour and the harm. Um, I would like to think that had there been a community trigger at the time um, and it had been activated, perhaps Fiona Pilkington would not have taken her own life and the antisocial behaviour would have been focused on and the impact of, on her life would have been focused on differently. Um, and I would like to hope that now a case like Fiona Pilkington would not happen. Andy, do you think Fiona would have used the community trigger to ask for help? I, I would certainly like to think so. Um, I think it's highly likely that, yes, that Fiona would have taken that opportunity. Of course, we, we can never know. Sadly, we can never know, can we? Um, but what we do know is that the community trigger and ASB case review puts us in the best position and a much better position than we were for families going through similar crises to be able to ask for help and agencies to come together and do something about it. So that 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 has to be, I think, what we all focus on and, and, and work, you know, tirelessly to get to get right. Because sadly we do know that there are families now today going through those same incredibly difficult situations that when we don't get it right, will will lead to tragedies. So what I'm hearing is that we all want things to get better and we've got the tools to make them better, but we we need to give people the opportunity to learn about these things, to put a community trigger policy in place that works for their community and to engage with it on a community level. Rebecca, do you agree that this is definitely worth doing and it's an asset to a practitioner as well as a victim. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think um, it's a real shame that since the Act came into place several years ago now that we are speaking about whether or not there are benefits of the community trigger. Of course, there are benefits of the community trigger, uh, benefits for communities, benefits for victims, but also benefits for agencies. Um, we strive to improve our service offer um, and to make communities safer. We know that more resilient communities um, are less likely to be victims of crime and antisocial behaviour. So yes, of course, it's an asset for us to learn how to do things better um, and how to prevent antisocial behaviour from happening in the first place. And that's about a shared understanding um, with the community, but also amongst agencies about what works. So Andy, as you are aware, ASB Help run a national campaign called the ASB Help Pledge. And this is where we go into agencies, be it a police force, a local authority or a registered provider of housing and give them a blueprint to manage an effective community trigger policy and procedure. Do you support the work that ASB Help are doing to, to ensure that we've got a consistent approach in England and Wales to how we understand our victims, but also how we listen to them in the Community Trigger Forum? 
I absolutely do. You know, the, the, the work that ASB Help are doing, ASB Resolve, and, 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 and loads of fantastic organisations up and down the country is absolutely essential to, to our collective response to ASB. You know, of course, not, none of that, you know, can, can fetter, you know, an individual chief constable, an individual police and crime commissioner um, has to have, an, an, you know, um, discretion to decide what's right in their in in their locations but you know nationally the, and, and we're doing this through the national antisocial behavior board we, we are working incredibly hard to get some consistent commitments to how we as organizations deal with antisocial behavior support victims and push forward the community trigger so the pledge in support of that is is, is absolutely complementary and something i absolutely support Rebecca, you work directly with registered providers of housing and government departments to make things better in the antisocial behaviour landscape. Do you agree with me that setting up a robust community trigger policy and procedure is an easy win? Absolutely. Um, I think I think we must remember that the vast majority of complaints about social behaviour are resolved and resolved well by partner agencies, but we don't get it right all of the time. And the community trigger is a safety net for victims and communities to enable them to challenge agencies when we don't get it right. Um, having um, a consistent approach through the ASB Help Pledge across the country will enable victims to to know clearly who to complain to if things aren't going well, to get the right support and to get the right source of action. Um, and that that isn't a postcode lottery, that that's something that is consistent across the country, which is incredibly important, I think, for communities to feel that they are, and victims to feel that they are listened to and that we, the agencies, are responding. Andy and Rebecca, you are both at the sharp end of professionalising our sector and I'd like to thank you very much for your time today on Community Trigger 101. Thanks for listening. Please give Community Trigger 101 a follow in your podcast app and leave us a review or a rating. If you'd like to know more about the Community Trigger or how to take the ASB Help Pledge, please visit us at asbhelp.co.uk.